and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. I'll be one of your hosts for today, and with us today will be our uh, second co-host, uh, Jenny Firmer, the Associate Executive Producer at um, Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Services based in West Palm Beach, Florida. Jenny, thank you for being on the line. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Yes, and also bringing in that uh, West Palm Beach connection, <laughs> we have our Associate <laughs> Producer, Ms. Valerie Wright. And Valerie is also the CEO of Wright Ideals Incorporated. Valerie, thank you for being on the line. Thank you, Dr. G. Always a pleasure to join you. Great. Well, I know last week we had plenty of questions that we did not get through and got some emails um, about that. So I thought we would start off this week with making sure we start with some of the questions we didn't get to last week and uh, then just continue to respond to any other questions that come in this week. And so we invite our listeners to call in and email in questions. And that's really what we're going to spend our day doing today, um, really trying to be responsive to the questions that have um, come in either via phone or or, um, email. So, Valerie, with that, you want to start us off with uh, a question for today regarding leadership. Actually, before we go there, why don't we have you give that call-in information and the email information one more time. Okay. The number to call for questions is 1-866-472-5790. And the email is Dr. G at InnoVisions.org, and it's dr.g at InnoVisions, which is I-N-N-O-V-I-S-I-O-N-S dot org, um, Dr. G at InnoVisions.org. Great. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. You're welcome, Dr. Jim. Okay, so you want to start us off with a question from our listening audience? Absolutely. We have a question from James in North Carolina. He asks, how do you assess the competency of an individual to lead effectively as a manager or supervisor before they are given that level of responsibility and role in the organization? Mm, great question, James. Thank you. Um, Jenny, do you want to start us off with some um, thoughts for James to consider? Um, sure. You know, um, I think that I myself initially can uh, really talk to my experience. So I was a clinician, um, and I think that even as a clinician, one can have leadership uh, within an organization, but if we're talking about really formal, managerial, slash, supervisory, slash, leadership, then I think that uh, social workers, clinicians, people who really work directly with clients can sometimes be very challenged to move into a more non-clinical type of position. 
so the competencies. Um, what I look for, and with, even within my own organization at Jewish Family and Children's Service, um, I really tend to observe first more than anything. I see how other people kind of relate to that potential leader um, at a very, very practical level, um, trying to understand that individual's judgment, um, something I'm very aware of is self-efficacy, uh, which kind of no one really likes to talk about much, but that self-efficacy of a potential leader or moving up in in a ladder is is how they carry themselves. Uh, when one is in a leadership position, people, so uh, supervisees watch very, very, very closely every single move that a leader who's in a formal position makes. And so how people role model themselves, how they act, how they engage others, um, are they able to look at a 3,000, from a 3,000 foot view? Uh, do they constantly get kind of, you know, and I don't mean this totally pejoratively, but get caught in the weeds? So I think we can certainly list out the competencies, but I think at the end of the day, it really is about relationships. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to me, Dr. Yeah. T and, and Valerie, that so often we we talk about leadership and then we kind of, when it all boils down, a lot of the time it's about knowledge, skills, and relationships. Yeah, and, and you know, I agree with that. And when I think to, back to some of the um, readings from, um, like, the uh, Leadership Challenge, Coons and Ponzer's uh, book, it really talks about just what you said, Jenny, with regards to leadership is a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so if I think about moving someone into a position of a manager or supervisor, because I'm always um, also thinking and defining, you know, what are the critical roles of a manager and supervisor, and I think of really being able to provide support and provide direction. So for myself, James, I'm looking at is this someone who has the emotional intelligence um, where they can self-regulate their own emotions as well as recognize and be aware of what others' social and emotional needs are to provide the support that they might need to be able to um, help inspire them as well as help to give them the confidence to perform. And then I'm also seeing and looking at, is this someone who can provide the direction so that we can make sure also the task gets done? Is this someone who will be able to um, have enough clarity around what needs to get done to provide that person, those individuals who we're looking at having them supervise the um, the direction to build the competence, the know-how as needed. And then for me, another real important of that ability to inspire, if I think of um, leadership, uh, you know, one of the many definitions that come to mind is leadership is the art of, um, leadership is the art of inspiring others to want to achieve shared aspirations. Mm-hmm. And so I think of shared aspirations and it being an art, of the art pieces being attuned with, but that shared aspiration speaks of a vision. So can they really, do they have enough understanding to where they can give a vision? And then I guess lastly but not least, and, and as Jenny said, there's a whole lot of competencies, but my space I'm going to look at is can they do the basics, which is provide direction and support. Do they have good judgment? 
they have good judgment, critical thinking skills, and strategic thinking skills, and can they operate in a way where they're going to use their authority in a fair and just way? Because you want to have unpeaced within an organization, have no fairness. <laughs> if you want right. to have peace, you also have to have a sense of, of that there is fairness. So will that person be able to use any authority that they're given within that organization in a fair and just way? So, James, those are just some of the things that come to mind for me. Valerie, anything you'd add? I think you've hit the nail on the head, both of you, um, you know, going back to what Goldman said, that all of those traditional qualities of leadership are fine, but without emotional intelligence, uh, motivation, empathy to social skills, regardless to what the other capabilities they have, that is foundational to leadership. So I, I definitely agree with you. Right. Well, thank you, James. I would also, Uh I'm really listening carefully to what you're both saying, and I I didn't think about this before, but what suddenly, as you were talking now, Valerie, popped into my head was being able to manage change effectively. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely, how they respond to and manage that. And being a constant learner. Mm -hmm. I think leaders, though they don't have to know everything, I think they have to be... um, they have to stay current and cutting edge, and part of that is, you know, ever um, learning and embracing new ideas and understanding what is happening in the world around them. Mm-hmm. Being open-minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, am at a loss of it. I know that some of the <clears throat> research that Coons and Ponsers also did with regards to what do the um, what do people most look for in their leaders? And some of the things that you've talked about as far as being foresight, you know, being able to kind of um, foresee and provide information with regards to what's to come, which kind of helps to manage the change that you're talking about a little bit, Jenny, mm-hmm. as well as having the competence themselves, as you know, as well as being fair and all those things. I might try to find it while we're uh, talking. But again, uh, James, thank you so much for that great thought-provoking question to start off our conversation today. Mm. And then I'll also invite our listening audience as we're talking, if there are things that come to mind for you that you'd like to share, please feel free to call in and share your responses as well. You know what? I actually just found the list of characteristics most admired in a, in a uh, leader that I was looking from, uh, or say looking for. And it says, honesty, forward-looking, inspiring, competent as the top four. And then it has intelligent, fair-minded, straightforward, broad-minded, supportive, dependable, cooperative, courageous, uh, determined, caring, imaginative, mature, ambitious, loyal, self-control, and independent. So those really, um, I think, are characteristics, and I think we would couple that with, as Valerie talked about, some of the management and leadership competencies, as well as these other critical um, characteristics that Jenny and I, I think, have already touched on. Again, thanks, Je- thank you, James. Valerie, do you have any other questions for our listening audience? I do. Um, this question comes from Sandra in Texas. I'm sorry. Um, Yes, Sandra in Texas that says, as I work to improve performance and change the energy in the organization, what are some strategies I can use to increase performance 
results and employee morale? Oh, Sandra, that's a very good question. It looks like I'm getting a cue that we already need to be transitioning to break. Wow. So, Jenny, I'm going to have you think about that uh, question from Sandra. And, Sandra, please stay with us and uh, others stay with us as well. And we'll be right back to answer Sandra's question and with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Before we went to break, Valerino, you asked a question from Sandra in Texas. Would you please restate or reread her um, question, and then we'll endeavor to respond to it. Sure. Uh, The question says, as I work to improve performance and change the energy in the organization, what are some strategies I can employ as a leader to increase performance results and improve employee morale? Okay. So um, would anyone want to start with that, or would you like me to start with that? Go ahead, Dr. G. We'll jump in. Okay. Sandra, thank you uh, for your question. And, um, you know, what comes to mind as I heard Valerie read that, because you say, as a leader, to increase performance results and um, 
employ morale? What strategies can you employ? I always think about when we're thinking about changing the energy within the organization, Gandhi says, be the change we wish to see. So I would encourage you to really kind of think about what is it that you want to see, and based on that, really employ the strategies around a culture change, which is modeling, supporting, and rewarding. So whatever it is you want to see more of, I would encourage you to, one, um, get clear on the vision, and then think to yourself, what do you need to say and do? What do you need to support with regards to coach others, teach others, provide training to others, include in performance evaluations for others to encourage it to happen? And then what do you need to acknowledge so that people can see the benefit from it or the incentive, be really have an incentive to do it? So if it's, um, if there's something about performance results, getting clear on what are those performance results, and um, I think with any good performance management system, it starts with me getting clear on what is it that I want to see, how do I clearly communicate that, how do I clearly create a system where I can track it or monitor how people are doing relative to those performance results I want to see, and then having some consequences. And again, if they're on track, it's great job, on track, and I'm encouraging the behavior through my acknowledging and rewarding with positive comments, or I might even put up, you know, establish some type of rewards and recognition program around those results that I think are critical or that I really want to see. Um, and then if they're not on track, then the consequence is feedback that says not on track, and I progress in the process of that feedback relative to what needs to happen in order to get them on track. So that's kind of like the things that um, come to mind for me. Uh, Jenny or Valerie, anything you'd add for Sandra? Uh, I, you wanted to speak? No, to go ahead. Oh, a couple of things I would add to that, Dr. G, is that during change processes, communication with uh, line staff, really all staff, uh, should be consistent and create a more uh, open communication so there's not a lot of closed door with just the senior staff because that creates a sense of distrust. Often I have been in, well, not often, several organizations I've been in as we were going through uh, major change issues and initiatives. When um, certain things happened, immediately doors closed, senior staff were plugged away, which gave rise to um, uncertainty by other staff who didn't know what was going on, and then when the doors were open, we didn't always know what had taken place, but were waiting for a hammer to drop for something to happen. So part of that is the communication strategy in terms of being open, communicating as much as you can in a way that uh, helps employees understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the other is the visibility of of senior staff throughout the organization so there's not the sense that there's the separation that between um, the decision-making part of the organization and um, the the first-line staff, so to speak, mm-hmm. so that there's still a connection at all levels and make sure messages are sent consistently throughout the organization. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thank you. Um, anything you would add to that? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I would pick up on the uh, the last piece of the question was kind of that morale and energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really like the work of Tony Schwartz, who uh, leads the Energy Project. Oh, okay. Yes, I do too. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony, um, the Energy Project, and there's a lot of information online. It's You just type in the Energy Project. And one of the things that... Um, the Energy Project really focuses on is how we need to build our own capacity so that we can really figure out how better to help those that we lead in terms of mobilizing and focusing and inspiring. And he talks about energy being rechargeable Mm -hmm. um, and that we as leaders really need to focus on how we go about recharging our energy. Mm-hmm. so that we can help others get recharged. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it ties in for me about self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So when I, as a leader, manage to get nine hours sleep in 72 hours, what does that say <laughs> about me in terms of my capacity as a leader? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what messages do I send? Mm-hmm. Um, is that expectation that everybody's working that way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um how does my energy level impact? And so how we're leading and communicating with high energy, if we're feeling the stress and we're showing how we feel the stress, not that we're not expected as leaders to have stress, but how we manage that stress ourselves in terms of our own self-awareness and self-regulation that you talk about, Dr. G, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also our self-efficacy, that psychological piece of ourselves, Right. then yeah. mm-hmm. I think we have less tolerance for empathy mm-hmm. that you mentioned, Valerie. And I think that we, you know, just don't have the energy to really be transformational. Right. No, I think that you both raise excellent points. Mm-hmm. With regards to that, and, and um, going back, um, I think first is touching on um, some of the things that Valerie, you were saying. What triggered for me is there is there is a um, a general belief that in supporting others and being able to go with change better mm-hmm. and overcoming a natural resistance to change is to communicate. The vision, but that also includes forewarning, empathizing with regards to trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes, see it from their perspective, mm-hmm. and involving them in that changing process. So mm-hmm. uh, really kind of underscore and empathize with and hear your voice in that. And um, I absolutely love also, Jenny, the uh, Energy Project. And so for us as um, as leaders to kind of cue into how we actually support others in becoming physically and how we do it for ourselves and mm-hmm. maintaining our own physical energy with regards to getting rest, relaxation, mm-hmm. and um, food to stay energized and emotional energy, expressing appreciation so that people feel valued and appreciated because that's the source of that emotional energy or helping them prioritize so that they can be mentally focused and have mental energy because that mental energy comes from feeling a sense of being able to be focused. We get overwhelmed. We have so many things to do. So as leaders, if we can prioritize and help people figure out what they need to do in their timelines, that can be very helpful. And lastly, really giving them a sense of meaning and significance around their work, which kind of plugs into that spiritual energy. I think all of those are things that we can mm-hmm. really do that align with that um, 
energy project that, Jenny, you're talking about. Right, so and that sense of engagement can really turn around and transform staff mm-hmm. morale. Yeah. I think one of the things you say all the time, Dr. G, is seek first to understand. You do that a lot, talk about that a lot as you mm-hmm. do your leadership training. Mm-hmm. And I think during these kinds of transitions, as a leader, rather than focusing our efforts on getting employees uh, all of our energies, rather, on focusing, getting the employee, quote-unquote, buy-in, that we um, need to be outwardly listening and hearing from employees, um, helping them to know we understand from their perspective how they're experiencing this change and mm-hmm. um, feeling what they're feeling throughout so that it's it's an engagement rather than a buy-in process so they feel heard that we understand what they're, and maybe understanding as leaders are able to help them in that process we've been talking about of, of coming along and mm-hmm. not feeling, you know, left out or left behind throughout mm-hmm. the process. Sometimes that contributes to low morale. Right. And, and this may, probably is not a very wildly popular statement, but I think sometimes when there's change going in an on in an organization that we are really struggling with, um, if we can recognize that we're a barrier to that transformation because we either don't feel our own resilience or we are contributing in some way, and I know it takes a tremendous amount of insight, but sometimes that's the time that we as leaders, um, true leaders, would recognize that is there something about myself I really can change, and if not, maybe I'm part of the problem. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a great point. Let us step back also to what um, Valerie said with regards to seeking first to understand, because I think sometimes we seek to understand, and the step that we forget is to communicate our understanding, is yes. to stay there long right. enough mm-hmm. to really get it, and then to also communicate that we've gotten it and that we've heard, because often we might seek first to understand and then to be understood, and the seeking first to understand becomes more of a reflective exercise, but not one where we actively engage in confirming our understanding before we move to trying to be understood. Which I think is the definition of empathy. Right. We don't feel someone's pain, but unless we're able to express how that impacts us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, really expressing the empathy, because even then mm-hmm. I can empathize, but if I don't express it, the other person has no awareness of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one other simple thing that we often, often forget, and that is to have a way of celebrating the good that we are experiencing as we're going through this process, this difficult process where, you know, all the things that are bombarding us as an organization or as leaders, um, just find ways to celebrate that with employees. Great. Looks like we need to take another commercial break. Sandra, thank you so much for your question. When we come back, we'll hear more questions from our listening audience. And uh, so please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. 
Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, Inspiring Solutions. I'm Cheryl G., one of your hosts for today. I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. And with me co-hosting today, we have Jenny Firmer, Associate Executive Producer at Alport Jewish Family and Children's Services in West Palm Beach, Florida. Jenny, thank you for being on the line with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And then also our Associate Producer, Valerie Wright, who's also the CEO of Wright Ideals Incorporated, based also in West Palm Beach, Florida. So, Valerie, thank you also. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes. And, Valerie, do you have any other questions from our listening audience? I have a question from Charlotte in California. Okay. Uh, She states, as a a leader in a mid-sized nonprofit, I manage two divisions where the workload is more than the staff can manage in an in the eight-hour day. Often my team members are working late into the evenings and more weekends than I would like. I am mindful that there needs to be a work-life balance, and I'm concerned for their health and well-being. What are some strategies and practices I might institute to improve this situation? All right. Thank you, Charlotte from California, for that question, and thank you, Valerie. Um, any ideas from either of you? You want me to start, or would you like to start? Uh, you always do such a good job leading off. <laughs> okay, well, Charlotte, I think I would start with saying, you know, sometimes it's really easy to allow our plates to just grow from being a plate to being a platter. And it's one thing when we are overbalancing or overloading um, ourselves, but it's another when we see that it's also impacting others. I think as leaders, we sometimes have to right size the expectation of um, those who we're serving to a space that's appropriate for the resources that we are 
uh, that we have. And if we have uh, staff that are consistently working extended hours, it's probably, uh, and, they're, and they're working to capacity throughout that eight-hour day, it's probably a sign that we either need to um, renegotiate um, expectations around what we're doing or look for the business case to get us more resources to um, deliver those services. I think that, uh, I believe I heard you say, uh, Valerie, that Charlotte is mindful of the need for that work-life balance and mindful and has concern for the health and well-being of staff. And so, you know, I think that sometimes we can just um, take it on and continue to take it on and particularly in the nonprofit arena, can sometimes um, not be realistic about what is realistic to do given the resources we've been provided. But I think as leaders we do have to sometimes step back and say, okay, do I have the staffing to support all of this without burning out and wearing out those who've, um, who've signed on? Because really what have they signed on for? They haven't probably signed on for this job to consume their entire life. I mean, those are just my initial thoughts. Jenny or Valerie, anything you'd well, add for I, Charlotte? I think, um, taking what you've discussed and taking it, uh, or maybe just digging deeper, is also to have a better sense of whether this is a permanent kind of transition or whether it's a temporary you know, transition. Um, also, I think planning becomes really critical. And so while it's so easy to be somewhere in the weeds is to find the time, even if it's to leave the office for a period of time and really start planning out what can realistically be done, what are the gaps, and that's kind of how you can also build the case um, as well as trying to understand how it becomes a business case for really negotiating what the issues are and, and how to do it differently. Yeah, I love that. So, so is there some way to step back and strategically redesign and reorganize the work to where you're, as they say, working smarter uh, with those resources? Valerie, anything you'd add? I would absolutely suggest engaging employees in solutions. Uh, they often can see what we can't see, and so having them participate in a discussion about how we can shift um what we're doing, how it's getting done to to relieve the pressure and fully understand what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. I love that, too. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for your um, question. Valerie, any other questions from our listening audience? Yes, I have a question from um, Diana in Michigan. Okay. Diana says, as a seasoned executive, I have worked with and mentored many young up-and-coming managers and organizational leaders. In the past few years, I have noticed the emergence of manager as coach and the role of the leader to coach employees. Please discuss coaching in the organization and how it is used to develop leaders and how leaders use it to develop employees and how to develop these skills in leaders. Okay. Love that. Thank you, Diana from Michigan. Um, Valerie, I know that we are both board-certified coaches. I'm going to throw this one to you to start with because I think this is part of your um, passion with regards to coaching. You want to start us off with a response to Diana? Yes. I think um, coaching in the organization is, is, as you say, one of those emerging fields. It has been the professional coach who – 
tend only to work with executives in the organization, and more recent it has become a trend for employees at all levels to receive coaching. Um, some organizations are employing internal coaches who work with managers and high potentials as well as executives. Um, but there's the piece, the role that the manager plays is um, in helping employees uh, improve performance, um, helping them determine if they're in the right place. Sometimes we use it when an employee is struggling in terms of performance. And um, I think when you look at coaching to develop leaders, it is to support them in setting goals and um, systematically working to achieve those goals so that at the end of the day, they improve their performance, which impacts the bottom line for the organization. They are then, as a leader, um, better able to support their uh, direct reports in terms of their performance and provide the same kind of coaching and skill development for them without having to hire a quote-unquote professional coach, but they now are able to translate those skills down, down the charge so that the whole organization is supported by coaching and the manager's role is to help em employees in improving their performance. Okay, great. Thank you, Valerie. Um, is there anything you'd like to add, Jenny? Not right now. Okay. You know, I might add that I see um, coaching as, um, you know, it's really taking a person from where they are to where they want to be. And so the manager or the supervisor as coach, I would want to think of all managers and supervisors developing coaching as a critical skill for their success and for their team's success and being able to take someone to that next level. Ideally, in performance management, you know, we um, do a lot of um, directing and telling and um, getting clear on expectations. But with coaching, we um, evoke more. It's, I think of the critical skills for a coach is being able to listen, ask questions that really engage the coachee, in critical thinking and strategic thinking, and I think it's that critical thinking and strategic thinking that really helps to develop the employee, as getting them, you know, engaging in that clarifying discussion, um, digging deeper as needed and understanding, and then again providing that support. So um, there absolutely are times when it's real appropriate for someone to have a coach other than their supervisor. Um, so that because there may be some things in particular that that person may want to work on or um just for um for, for you know some for focused and um development beyond maybe that day-to-day -day, um interaction with the supervisor yet the supervisor themselves really my bias, Diana, would be that they would also develop the coaching skills so that they're always looking at having that conversation with the regards to employee. Here's where you are, you know, and where do you see yourself, and then where do you want to be, and then they're coming to an agreement as to what that next level of effectiveness might look like and how they might actually get them there so that they're always helping and supporting them in doing their, their best and moving, again, to that next level performance. Diana from Michigan, thank you so much for your question. Valerie, another question from our listening audience? I have a question from 
Marvin in Florida. He says, I've been told that a leader should be forward-looking, but I find myself putting out fires and rarely looking to the next year. It's almost as if I have to function on two tracks. How do I become more visionary in my approach as a leader? Oh, thank you, Marvin, um, in Florida, for your question. Um, Jenny or Valerie, either of you want to start with your reply to Marvin? It's a great question, um, and I think that um, being forward-looking is that space where we find the place to really do the planning for anticipating possible future events, and so we used to call it, you know, contingency planning. We might call it all kinds of different things. But I think as it plays out in the workplace and the practice is what do we do as leaders to to include others, not just ourselves and our desk, but how do we create that space to talk about the future, to plan for the future? It's sometimes done every four years as part of our strategic plan. Uh, which doesn't always become a living document. It kind of gets done, it gets approved, it gets the stamp of approval and put on a shelf. Um, but it's, um, it's so critical to who we are, particularly as nonprofits and public organizations that are just, the sea change is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how do we make space? That's my question. Yeah. How do we make space for that? What yeah. kind of things do we do to create focus on planning? Right. I think that we really have to commit to simply scheduling the time to do it. Uh, for me, if it doesn't get put on the calendar, it doesn't happen. So I will very often say to persons who I am coaching, and even for myself, again, if it doesn't get put on the calendar, a lot of times we put on the calendar meetings with others, and it becomes real important to put on the calendar also meetings with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, and so scheduling the time to think strategic, scheduling the time to have strategic conversations. I think that um, things change so fast now to where we almost need to really be scanning our environment constantly and at least quarterly with regards to Marvin. When you think of, you know, how do I become better at um, being forward-looking, it's really positioning yourself to ask yourself those forward-thinking questions. Yeah. Where do I want to be two years from now? What's happening in my market area now? And and really doing that SWOT, you know, where do I want to be? Where do things look like they're moving based on where things are moving and based on what I think and where I see us headed it's, you know, what are the strengths and weaknesses internal? What are the opportunities and threats externally? And constantly tweaking strategically your positioning mm-hmm. on a quarterly basis by doing that mini SWAT continuously. So it's scheduling that, you know, two-hour alone time mm-hmm. um, so that you have that time. And just like you would um, not want to cancel and reschedule on anyone more than twice. Jenny, I try not to do that more than twice on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before I make you. it, I appreciate that. I try Before not to I make do it more than three times. Sometimes you have to move an appointment, but you know you're going to just be totally feeling bad if you don't get it rescheduled, you know, and and hold on to it that third time. Right. So if you if you take yourself off your own calendar 
more than twice, don't do it a third time. Give mm-hmm. yourself a limit and make sure you stop Marvin and you have that conversation about where do I see, you know, things moving two years from now, five years from now. Who else do I need to engage in this conversation and have the conversation and do that mini swap so that you know strategically how you're positioned within your market and what you need to be doing to improve and leverage opportunities and support yourself and being protected against the threats that are out there as well. Yeah, and the metaphor that I think of is how do you look around the next corner? Oh, I like that metaphor. Mm-hmm. I didn't coin it. It actually was Peter Goldberg, who was the CEO of the Alliance, mm-hmm. who died tragically. But he would always talk about what do we need to, what do we need to see around the next corner? What mm-hmm. are we looking at? Yeah. Great. Looks like we need to transition to another break. Marvin from Florida, thank you so much for your question. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the KidStar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. 
And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Today we're just fielding questions from our listening audience, and we thank you so much for your patience for those of you who sent in questions last week, and we're just getting to them this week. We ask you to keep those questions coming in, and we will continue the conversation. And we'll also invite you to call in and respond not only by asking questions, but if there's um, comments and thoughts that you have to some of the questions that get asked and maybe you see it a little differently, or maybe you want to add to the conversation on the topic, we invite you to call in to do that. Valerie, um, another question from our listening audience. Yes, we have a question from Dustin in Georgia. He says, can someone be a good leader but not a good manager, and which is better for a company? Ah, nice question, Dustin. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much from Georgia. Uh, who'd like to start us off with a response to Dustin? Oh, I'll start us off. Oh, thank you, um, Valerie. Yeah. Um, it is absolutely possible for someone to be a good leader and yet not a good manager because the two differ in that leaders, uh, managers are more um, focused on the day-to-day, on the and are more technical in their approach and the work they do on a day-to-day basis. So they may be able to have that sphere of influence. They may be able to motivate all those things we talked about earlier in the show in terms of a good leader. Um, They may have all those qualities, but when it comes to being able to pay attention to the details, to track what's happening on a day-to-day basis, um, manage staff um, in, in a small group, build team, they uh, may lack those skills when it comes to managing uh, on the day-to-day. And I think that a company needs good managers and good leaders. And um, if someone is managing, they would need to build up their leadership skills um, because to manage without being a competent leader is um, ineffective, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, And how about yourself, Jenny? Anything you'd add? Well, I think that there are some excellent managers, as you were suggesting, Valerie, um, but there are some people that really are not comfortable playing the role of the leader, and they want to do a really good managing job, and they're very good at it. Um, but leadership has some responsibility. Not that management doesn't, but leadership, there are certain obligations attached to being a leader. You really have to be out there, and you have to take some risk. And um, you're not a leader if no one wants to really follow you. Maybe you're a good manager because everyone's compliant, but leadership is being able to look around the next corner mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. is being able to. And so I think that um, there are there is an overlap between a good manager and a good leader because if you even if you're just the good manager and you don't see yourself in a leadership position, you ultimately still want to have an impact on people so that they're performing to the best of their capabilities and their abilities. Right. And I will echo and build on what both of you are saying. I think that in today's day and age, very often it's really an expectation that someone who's in a managerial position be able to do both. I think both are important and both are are expected. It may be that my personality predisposes me to not have to put much effort into doing one or the other. Um, 
but whichever one I may be predisposed not to do as much, I need to look at how am I going to develop the competence to do it or how am I going to, if I have the luxury of augmenting my position and having someone else support me in doing it. But both are really required to be effective. Mm-hmm. I think, Valerie, you started off with saying that there are some things that are distinctly that we associate with managing, that be like maybe organizing and directing mm-hmm. people and resources to kind of serve um, particular objectives, and they might be uh, that managing is kind of putting the structure in place, looking at the results, taking care of efficiency, logistics, policy and procedural types of things, whereas the leading will focus more on the values, as um, Jenny was kind of talking about, the vi- dealing with the vision mm-hmm. and um, keeping the mission in sight while also looking at how do we direct um, actions to move forward. With leadership, it goes back to what Jenny said in the very beginning of the show, too. It's really around um, the relationship, so inspiring trust is real important. Um, very much focuses on the um, intangible as it relates to the people orientation, whereas the managing is much more around the transactional, looking at the results, looking at the task, um, and I guess in short, we're looking for people to have a balance in both or the ability to do both. And if I can't, again, do it within myself, I need to augment my team so that um, both are provided. Uh, because I think in this day and age, both are critical with regards to being able to manage and lead. And um, so when they say which is better for the company, I would say both are essential for the company, uh, mm-hmm. Dustin. So um, one without the other is going to leave that company in a um, challenging space. I think we've got to be able to manage and lead to yes. be effective. Thank mm-hmm. you, Dustin, in, in uh, Georgia. Uh, Valerie, another question from our listening audience? Yes, we have a question from Carolyn in Florida. Uh, it, she says, does a leader need power, and how can a leader avoid being corrupted by power? Oh, love it. Carolyn in Florida. Florida is just piping them in today. Um, hmm. Any uh, thoughts? Anyone wants to start? Want me to jump in or you want to start and then I'll jump in afterwards? Go, our powerful leader. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so does a leader need power? You know, when I think of the word power in the sense of leadership, I think of influence, and I think absolutely a leader has to have influence. They have to have the ability to influence others. And I think there's lots of different sources of influencing. Um, But in short, um, Carolyn, absolutely. And how does a leader avoid being corrupted by power? You remember that saying, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think for a leader to keep in mind that they are not, you know, none of us, everybody reports to something or someone else. And um, at the moment where we become a little narcissistic and we think it's all about us and we're all powerful, that is a very dangerous thing. So I think how do we help a leader not become corrupted by power is to ensure that that leader stays other-focused and other-centered and not focused on their own, um, you know, their own essence and thinking that they are somehow just... Um, you know, so powerful. You know, we really have to be get outside of ourselves and, and not and not be self centered, I, I guess is the word I was looking right. for. I think I think for me the the line in the sand, so to speak, is from going from that influence and strength and those positive attributes to one of pure control. Mhm. 
And Jenny, it looks like we're going to have to end. So a final thought for Carolyn? Jenny? Yeah. looks like we have to answer. Do you have a final oh, thought for Carolyn? Yeah, I, I think that, that um, leading by control isn't necessarily the most effective kind of power. No, absolutely. But, but if you're engaging people and really um, empowering them and um, using your influence mm-hmm. so that through these formal relationships and networks you're able to really grow people, I think that right. is very important to have that power. Absolutely. So that from a space of influencing. Thank you, Carolyn from Florida, and Jenny and Valerie, thank you, and thank you so much to our listening audience. Please stay with us and tune in next week on Wednesday, 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time for more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.